Father, we thank you that you're a good God and that you love us. And we just pray that tonight as we, as we look at your word and just take a couple of minutes together that you will inspire us, you'll speak to us, you'll transform our lives. Lord, that your word will have life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to give a real brief overview as to why do we have church. had a couple of conversations this week and, um, you know, today we celebrated with Stuart and Des and bringing Jacob here and committing him into the ways of God. A couple of conversations I've had this week where people are going, well, what do you mean by the ways of God? You know, what really is Christianity? What does it mean to be a Christian? Isn't this just something that happened a long time ago and, you know, Jesus was just this good guy and sure he made a difference, but is it really relevant today? I sort of find that people have one of either two views of God if they believe God exists. There are those who say he doesn't exist and then I have a hard time trying to prove that. Um, well, I spoke with him this morning so I know he does exist. But... They sort of have two views. One is that God is really, really kind and really, really compassionate and, and a real loving person, or God. So it doesn't really matter what we do here on earth. When we die, we're all going to go to heaven because God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Because, you see, the Bible says there is a heaven, there is a hell, and contrary to popular cartoons and so on, Hell is not the nice place where all your friends are. It's not one big party. It's described as this place of horrible suffering for all eternity. Whereas heaven is one big party. And God likes to party, so therefore he'll let everybody in. The other view that I get is the extreme of that. That God is this big nasty being in heaven whose whole aim in life is just to fry somebody that he's just waiting to hit somebody with a lightning bolt. And as I was going through thinking about that, I remember the story of a, a minister and a friend of his who went out to play golf. And um, this friend of his was a bit of a rough character and they got to the first hole and you know this guy drops it beautifully onto the green. And he's got about a one metre putt. Nice, smooth surface, beautiful day and he putts the ball hits the hole and bounces over the hole and goes on the other side. And this guy goes, damn, I missed. And this minister friend is very, very proper and he sort of turns to this guy and says, listen, Joe, you know, you want to be careful doing that. God doesn't like words like damn. Joe goes, oh, I'm sorry, just a bit frustrated. You know, I was looking forward to a good round. They get to the second hole and, and again, Joe's dropped one onto the green. It's a beautiful shot, is it? You know, about a metre and a half away and nice slope on this green. So he does his putt and it stops just short of the hole. He goes, oh, damn, missed. The minister friend goes, Joe, 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 really? Look, you, you'll be trying God's patience. You can't use words like that. Joe's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They get to the third and again, Joe, Joe's having a great round, except for his putting. Drops it onto the green. He's got about a 40-centimetre putt. And he thinks, this is it. So he putts it, and it loops around the hole, and 
Pops back out again. Joe sort of looks at it and goes, oh, damn, missed. And all of a sudden there's this lightning in heaven and this lightning bolt comes out and hits the minister, guys, and he falls down dead. From heaven you hear, damn, missed. But that's not what God's really like. He's not up there waiting to fry somebody. Especially on a golf course, because you know, that can't happen on a golf course. <laughs> really. It wasn't last time I was out there anyway. But what I find interesting is that most people's view of God and heaven and hell and Christianity, it's not really based on anything factual. They haven't read the Bible it's probably more their views come out of watching TV. And TV does a great job of portraying Christianity, doesn't it? It's sort of, you know, if you watch any media, the church is seen as this, this legalistic, ritualistic thing where someone walks through a large building swaying things that have smoke pouring out of them, you know, and, um, you know, there's all this smelly stuff and they light a few candles and, and it's like the religious part of the week is over and we can go and, play golf or whatever it is. But is this real Christianity? And what does the Bible, which is sort of God's book, but it's not sort of, it is God's book, what does it say real Christianity is? What does it say it really is to be a Christian? What is it that Stuart and theirs have said, look, we're committing our lives to this and we're committing our family to this. So in the next probably 10 minutes or less, I'm going to give you a summary of the whole Bible. It starts in the very beginning with the words, in the beginning. It ends with amen, by the way, but that's all right. We'll get there in a minute. But it starts with God in the very beginning being there. How does God get there? He's God. He's bigger than time and space. He created time and space. And don't try and work that out because it's just going to blow your mind. All right? But he makes this creation. He makes this universe. And he says it's good. And then he makes this world and he makes these people and, and you know, there's all these plants and animals and stuff like this. And he looks at the whole thing and he says it's good. And when he made man and women, he didn't make people to be his slaves and to be his servants and so he could throw lightning bolts at them. He made people so that he could have a relationship with us. He made us, he gave us a free will so that we could choose to have a relationship with him. Because that must be a lot more exciting than having something that has no free will and has a conversation. It's like if I made a computer, which is not going to happen anytime soon because that's not any of my skill set. But if I made a computer that would talk back to me and I programmed into it what it was going to say so that every conversation it would always say the right thing. For about the first two minutes that would be pretty exciting if it actually worked. But after that it's going to get a little boring because there's no... There's no reality, there's no emotion, there's no, it's not real. God didn't make us as computers pre-programmed. He gave us a free choice to have a relationship with him. The problem is we messed up that relationship. God said, this is how you can have the best life. Just walk in relationship with me, follow these couple of rules and life will be fantastic. And it was for Adam and Eve. And then we messed it up. And some people get up here and they go, see, I told you God was into rules. Well, rules are a good thing, aren't they? Because say we had a rule that said, when you drive on the freeway, you can drive whatever speed you like, whatever direction you like. And I said, it's only going to happen on freeways. Every other road, 
has to go by the rules. But freeways, whatever direction you like, whatever speed you like. Is anyone going to drive on the freeway? I ain't. Because you're going to get some idiot driving the wrong way up the freeway at 200 k's an hour. Do you want to be the person that's going the opposite way to him? Especially when he's driving his big F-250. See, rules can be a good thing, right? They help us to stay safe, right? Probably a closer example is I have six kids and my youngest is, is a four-year-old boy, Isaac. Now, if I said to Isaac, you know, he's really into animals. Animals his thing and we got given, we sort of had this Noah's Ark thing the other day and he's playing with the ark and he likes his horses and he sort of gets in grove. And I said, how about I take away the animals that you have and I give you our steak knives. You can play with the steak knives at four. What's going to happen? Not a lot of good stuff, is there? He's probably going to injure himself, if not kill himself. He's going to do some damage. It's not healthy for him as a four-year-old to play with the steak knives. And that's why God has some rules. Because he went, listen, I made you. I know how you're wired. I know what's best for you. And I made you to walk in relationship with me. And here's a few guidelines. And if you follow these things, then your life will go well. But see, when we decided that we knew better than God and that we want to do things our own way, things like sickness and disease and sin came into the earth. They weren't here. Everything was perfect and wonderful. But when we sinned, we invited in sickness and disease. We invited things like broken relationships. We invited things like death, into the world. We played with the steak knives when we weren't ready for the steak knives. And we pay the price for that. That's Genesis. There's only 65 more books to go. But it's really cool because the next 65 books is all about how God fixes the problem. You see, the biggest problem here is that God is holy and just and right. He's perfect. And imperfection can't exist before God. But when we rejected God and started thinking we could do things in our own way, we messed up. And things like guilt and shame and wrongdoing came into our lives and people did the wrong thing by us and we started having all this baggage in our lives. I don't know about you, but outside of God, I end up carrying a whole lot of stuff. You know, where I've messed up in life and, and I carry that on my shoulders and I can feel it inside me or where people wrong me and I get upset and that starts to upset my life. And what I've discovered in doing a couple of counselling sessions is this happens to other people as well. That's what happens when we're outside of God. We have imperfection within us and we can't come into the presence of God. But this is where God is really cool and you know that he's not into throwing lightning bolts. Because he said, listen... I made people and people messed up, but I still like people. And so I would like people to have a relationship with God. Because when he made us, he made us for a relationship with him. And when we're out of relationship with him, there's a part of us missing. See, the price of doing wrong, of having sin in our lives, is not just the guilt and the shame and the weight that we carry on our shoulders. It's also death, eternal separation from God. Jesus said, I can fix this. And so Jesus came down to earth. He lived as a man. And after that, for about 33 years, he allowed himself to be crucified, to nailed to a cross, and he died there. But when he died, he died without sin because Jesus lived a perfect life. 
He was able to be the perfect sacrifice for us. And he says, I'm going to die in your place. And when I die in my place, even though I have no sin on me, I'm going to take upon me all the sin of the world, all the guilt and all the shame and all the stuff in our lives that we carry around. He says, I'm going to take all that upon me for all eternity. And I'm going to take it down to the grave with me. And Jesus did this. And just before he died, the last thing he called out was, it is finished. And they took him and they buried him in a tomb. And the Bible says that Jesus took all that stuff and he went down into hell and took the keys of life. But the amazing thing is, Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, he came back to life. And just to make sure the whole world knew, about 500 people actually saw him. People say to me, how do you know Jesus really existed? How do you know this is true? Well, it's really, really simple. As he asked him, do you believe that Julius Caesar existed? People look at me and go, yeah, of course he existed. I said, how do you know? Did you meet him? Well, no, it's in all the history books. But you know, there is a hundred times more evidence that Jesus existed than Julius Caesar ever existed outside of the Bible. A hundred times more documented evidence that Jesus existed and even that he did miracles. One guy who was a Jewish guy, who were the guys that didn't like Jesus, wrote, there was a man named Jesus, if you could call him a man, because he did such miracles as has never been seen before. And this guy was supposed to be an opponent of Jesus and Christianity. So Jesus dies, and three days later he comes back to life. And by coming back to life, he's saying, hey, one, I'm still God, and two, I beat death. Death can't hold me. Sin can't hold me. Satan can't hold me. Nothing can hold me. And he overcame all the sickness and the disease, all the sin and the guilt and the shame. He took all that and he buried it and he overcame it. It's absolutely amazing that someone who is absolutely perfect would die for us. We get amazed at things like the Anzacs who went and died so that we could have freedom. Jesus was the same. He died so that you can have freedom, spiritual freedom, freedom from the guilt and the shame and the sin and the things that we've done wrong, freedom from the guilt and the shame of the things that have been done to us by other people. In fact, he says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Bible says that God's will is to prosper you, to make you abound in all that you do, to even increase your wealth this is when the Lord, your God, rejoices over you. Jesus didn't just die to take away the sins of the world. He died to actually help you make your life a success. Because God says that when you walk in relationship with him, your life becomes successful. What you do becomes successful. You start to see breakthrough and overcoming. You start to have victory in your life. Where things were broken, they start to get restored. Where relationships have fallen apart, they start to, to mend and heal. Where there was pain and suffering, there's forgiveness. And like a soothing balm of God comes over you. See, Christianity is not about a whole lot of rituals. Christianity is about a relationship with God. God made us for a relationship. He made us to walk with Him. He gave us a God-sized hole inside us that only God can fill. And we try and fill it with other stuff. We try and fill it with, with money and with wealth and with things. You know, I've discovered that things break. I went to get in my car to come to church 
and my front tyre was flat. Things break. We rock up here at church and we're setting up the sound stuff. And we discover that we've blown a fuse on the end. Stuff breaks. It doesn't matter how new or old it is, stuff breaks. People would have they discovered in their wonderful houses, they've probably got a leak here or a leak there because stuff breaks. And we get into relationships and we try and find our fulfillment with another person and yet they let us down. Stuff breaks. Because you can't fill the hole within you with anything but God. When you've got that God-sized hole filled, then everything else comes into perspective and everything starts to work in your favour. It doesn't mean life's a breeze. It just means that you've got a new perspective on life, a new understanding of life because you understand the one who made life and you have a relationship with him and he gives you the power to overcome whatever comes your way. So how do you get this amazing life? Doesn't God just love us all that's going to happen? God does love us all, but you still have to make a choice. You know, I see Fleetwood Macs coming to town in a few months' time. Those of you of a certain age, those of you who aren't at that age are going, who? How about One Direction for those in the younger generation? How's that? Now, if I said to you, I can give you tickets to Fleetwood Mac or One, Gener one Direction, you can have the One Direction ones. If I said I was going to give you, I bought you tickets for, for your, your favourite concert. I didn't just buy you tickets for your favourite concert. I managed to get you the only backstage passes that exist, that you get to actually go in to the room with the band beforehand for about an hour and you get to sit down and have a coffee with them and, and, you know, and, and hang out with them. And then you get to see the whole concert from the front row. And at the end of the concert, you get to go to the after party. And you'd be going, that's really, really cool. And I said to you, I've got those tickets and they're at my house. And the day of the concert comes and the day of the concert goes and you never, ever pick up the tickets. The tickets become worthless if you never collect them and you never use them. They only have power if you act by picking up the ticket and going to the venue and accepting it as it's given. Otherwise, it has no power in your life. It doesn't make any difference in your life. You never get to experience the ultimate experience of the concert if you never, ever pick up the ticket. It's the same with Jesus. He died on the cross and he rose again and he offers you eternal life in heaven. He offers you freedom from all the things that you've done wrong. He offers you forgiveness for the things that you've done wrong. He offers you freedom from the pain and, and the suffering in your life. And he says, I will set you free. He even offers you healing from those who are sick. And you heard Dale talking before that when she came to Jesus, Jesus healed her. When I first met her, she was a terrible asthmatic. When I first met her, she couldn't run. She couldn't even jump like that without being in severe pain. And one of our favorite things was doing that when she got prayed for and she got completely healed was actually going back to old friends of hers and then going and playing sport with them because it used to mess with their heads. Because Dale had an operation on both knees and they said to her, if you were a horse, we'd shoot you. Lovely doctors, don't you love surgeons? <laughs> because there was nothing they could do to relieve the pain. And now she dances and she twirls and she runs with the kids because Jesus healed her. He did what medicine couldn't do. So he doesn't just heal us spiritually. 
He also heals us physically and he heals us emotionally. But no matter what life throws at you, Jesus says, I have the forgiveness, I have the healing for your life. That's what the word prosper means. The word prosper means that everything goes well with you. It means all going well with you. And God says, if you come to me and you give me all that rubbish and all that stuff in your life and you lay it at my feet and you accept my forgiveness and you accept my love, pretty good deal. He says, I will set you free. But you've got to take the ticket. You've got to go to the concert. You've got to come to Jesus and say, I want what you're offering. Because it's given freely. But if you never, ever take it up, then you never, ever get to receive it. And they're the people that go to hell. The ones that never receive in this lifetime what Jesus offers. <clears throat> and it's not just about going to heaven or hell. It's about heaven on earth now. You know, you can walk out and you can have a flat tire in your car and you can rant and rave and kick the car and therefore you have to go to the hospital because you broke your toe. Or you can look at it and go, it's okay. I'm walking with God who's got it under control. And it is okay. It changes how you see life. I could have walked in here stressed and upset. Instead, I walked in. I do what I need to do with a smile on my face. See, it changes how you view life. And you know what? God also provides so that you can actually fix your tire. You know, if you're short of cash, you can actually ask God and He provides. He does that. Because God cares about you. He is a loving God. But the condition is we have to receive that love. We have to take the ticket and saying, I'm cashing in my ticket for the prize. How do you do that? It's really simple and I'll give you a chance to do it in a couple of minutes. All you have to do is turn to God and say, I'm sorry for what I've done in my life. I'm sorry for where I've messed up. I want you, God, to come into my life and take away all this stuff. To take away the pain and the sickness take away the sin and the hurt and the guilt. I want to give that to you and receive your love and forgiveness. And I want to make a choice to live my life with God as my leader. And that's really important. Not just receiving His forgiveness, but to have a full and abundant life, you've got to live with God being the leader in your life. It's not the same like I'm the leader in my boy's life. You know, you can't play with the steak knives. Well, let's go go-kart racing. That's the sort of God He is. He wants to lead you to be all that you were made to be. And the Bible says, we've read before with Stuart and Dez in that verse, that God knew you before He even made the world. He said He had a plan for your life. And that plan was to prosper you, not to harm you. A plan to give you a hope and a future. God has an individual plan just for you to make you the best you you can ever be. All you've got to do is sign up and receive the love and forgiveness that he offers. It really is that simple. It wasn't cheap because Jesus suffered and died on the cross for it. But it's valuable because it will change your life. But you have to make that decision. I said to me, does it mean I have to go to church? You don't have to do anything. But if God is leader of your life, one of the things he says is, hang out with other Christians. Because you see, when you hang out with other Christians, we encourage each other. When you come into church, one, we eat some good food, you'll find out in a minute. But we also encourage each other and we get to learn more about God. Because life can be lonely. But here, we can encourage each other, build up each other, and share what God's doing in our lives and get excited together. We're family. 
That's what church really is. It's not about a whole lot of legalistic stuff. As you see, I'm not waving incense. I don't like candles. I think it's against the rules in this building anyway. But hey, it's just about us being family hanging out together. Because it's, we are, the Bible says, the family of God. And He is our Father. But the choice is yours. Do you want to sign up for the family? Or do you want to keep struggling on your own? Do you want to see breakthrough in your life? Or do you want to keep holding on to the guilt and the pain? The choice is yours. God has given it freely. What you do with it is up to you. I'm going to ask everybody just to close their eyes and bow their heads. While we all have our eyes closed and our heads bowed, I want to ask you, where do you stand with God? Do you have God in your life? As I've been talking, have you sort of been thinking, you know what? I've never known that God. I've never known Jesus. But I like the sound of that. And I'd like to have Jesus in my life. I'd like to be free of all this guilt, of all this shame, of all this sin, of all this pain. I want to be free of that. I want to be loved for who I am. I want to be accepted for who I am. I want Jesus in my life. It doesn't mean that life is all smooth. It just means that someone's walking through life with you, giving you the strength and power to overcome whatever comes your way. Sitting here tonight and you're going... I want this Jesus in my life. I want this Jesus in my life. I want to be free of all my sin and guilt and shame. I want Jesus. So everyone's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Just slip your hand up so I can see it and I'll include you in the prayer. We're going to pray at the end. So I ask you to slip it up so I can see it. No one else is looking. Everyone's got their heads bowed, their eyes closed. Just between you, me and God. Just slip your hand up and thank you very much. Thank you very much. You put it back down once you put it up. Thank you. Anyone else, just slip your hand up and say, I want Jesus in my life. I want to be free of all my sin and guilt and shame. Don't let the moment go by. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Grab Jesus. He's offering you his love right now. He's offering you forgiveness and freedom right now. I invite you, just put your hand up right now so I can see it. Just wait a few more seconds. Just put your hand up saying, include me in that prayer. I want you to pray for me. Anyone else, just before we finish, just want to say, include me in that prayer. Five more seconds. Anyone else as we close off? Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, if you can look at me now. I'm going to ask us all to stand together. And I want those people who put your hands up, I'm not going to embarrass you, bring you out the front. This is between you and God. But I'd really like you to either come and talk to me or talk to my wife who's down in the back there after the service and say, how do I walk this Christian walk? Because this is a step of a journey. So when we're finished, I invite you to go and, and talk to, to Dale or to myself. But right now, we're going to pray a prayer. And as you pray this prayer, what you're going to do is give your life over to God. You're going to say, God, I'm giving you my life. So I'm going to say the lines, and then what I want is everybody here to repeat them after me. Can you do that? And we're going to pray this prayer with these people. And if you put your hand up, I want you to put everything into it. and Just like you're squeezing it out of you. You don't have to yell, but just squeeze it out of you. All those bits and saying, I really want to mean this with everything I've got. If you didn't put your hand up and you're saying, look, I still want, I want God in my life. I want what you're talking about. You can still do that. There's nothing magic about putting your hand up. It just makes it easier for me and for you. You can pray that prayer now. So I'm going to pray this. I want you to repeat after me, okay? Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. Thank you that Jesus took all my sin. 
that He took all my sickness, that He took all my suffering, that He took all my guilt and shame upon Him on the cross, and that He came back to life to overcome death. So I ask you, forgive me, God, of my sin. Wash me clean. I denounce my old life and I choose today to make Jesus the Lord of my life, to give God leadership of my life. I am now a Christian living for God as the leader in my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for setting me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. You can grab a seat now. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant what you were saying, welcome to God's family. You join a couple billion of us and growing every hour. The Bible says that when you pray that prayer, what happens is all of heaven has a party celebrating someone else coming into God's family. So you got the angels up there boogieing over you. Which is a cool deal, yeah? But understand this. It's the start of a journey. It's the start of a relationship with God. And it's like, you know, when I first met my wife, there was a journey that came after that. And now you've got a journey that comes after that too. So I want to encourage you to not leave today, but to either grab myself or grab Dale, and we'll just give you a little bit of information and just have a quick chat about what you just did. Um, Because we want to see you become the person God made you to be. We're going to have some food in a minute. Yep, got the nod, so that's good. That means the food's coming. Um, we're just going to close in prayer, and then um, you're free to, to leave. But I encourage you, if you want to hang around, the food's usually worth waiting for. You know, Des had something to do with that. You know, that whole Greek thing? It's a good thing. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are a wonderful God. We thank you that even you've given us some guidelines and some rules to live by that help us to live a successful life. We thank you you've given us your Holy Spirit to walk through life with us, to overcome any challenge that comes our way. We want to bless you. Lord, I pray for every single person here that they will know your blessing and your favor, that they will walk in strong relationship with you, that you may be glorified. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.